You're listening to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast, episode number 10. Are your fears and limiting beliefs holding you back from living the life you've always dreamed about? Fear of judgment from others, failure, criticism, or maybe your past experiences and relationships are haunting your actions today. Do you long for a more fulfilled life but are lost on how to get there? After spending years longing for more, but too afraid to make that leap due to her own limiting beliefs, Jennifer finally found the secret to moving forward towards living that fulfilled life she always longed for, and she made it her mission to teach you how to do the same. Within every episode of the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast, Jennifer, along with her weekly guests, will dive into topics surrounding personal development, mindset, wellness, spirituality, and so much more, arming you with the skills and strategies you need to break down your own limiting beliefs, unlock your true potential, and live the fulfilled life you were designed for. So grab a pen, grab your favorite journal, and let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today on episode 10, we're going to be uh, talking with Mary Ellen Phipps. Mary Ellen is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She's a wife. She's a mom to two crazy toddlers. She's a recipe curator and a foodie. She's also a type 1 diabetic since the age of 5, and she knows firsthand how the food we eat impacts our day-to-day quality of life. She owns and operates her private practice, which is called Milk and Honey Nutrition, in the Houston area and specializes in metabolic disorders, weight management, diabetes, thyroid disorders, family meal planning, and general wellness. You can connect with her through her website or on Instagram or Facebook, or you can even join her email list where you get a free copy of her top 30 Costco finds. And we will include links to all of those uh, sites in the show notes. And today we're talking about sugar and discussing the real truth about sugar. Is it really that bad for us? Or how much is too much? And what exactly happens to our bodies when we take in too much sugar? And are there some types of sugars that are better than others? So we're, we're going to dive into all of those questions and much more over the next hour or so. So let's jump right into the interview. Hey, Mary Ellen, welcome to the podcast. Uh, hi. T- hi. Today we are actually talking all about sugar and we're going to dive down deep into the topic of sugar and our diets, you know, what we need to be aware of, um, maybe what's, you know, kind of heightened, but we're really going to dive into sugar and um, the truth about sugar in our diets. Um, but before we get started, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and, and your business? Sure. Well, I am Mary Ellen Phipps. I'm from the Houston, Texas area, and I own and operate Milk and Honey Nutrition. I'm a registered dietitian. So I'm also a mom to two crazy little girls, um, ages two and three. And I'm also very pertinent to sugar. I'm also a type 1 diabetic since I was five years old. Uh, So the topic of sugar hits home for me. But basically, in my practice, Milk and Honey Nutrition, as a dietitian, I mainly focus on making healthy eating realistic, affordable, and efficient for busy individuals and families. And I do some corporate wellness as well, so for small businesses. Um, And it's just a real passion of mine. I want people to be comfortable with food and help um, celebrate it and feel good about it and not it to be this stressor and anxiety that it can sometimes cause for people. Awesome, awesome. And I like your when you say uh, realistic. And that's kind of been a theme with all of my guests so far is and I think that's kind of our mission is to not bring nutrition from this, um, you know, like, you know, 
you know, we, this is, this is how it is. Um, but, but rather from a real life perspective and to help people change that relationship with food so that it's enjoyable and those healthy choices come natural and not, you know, from an area of like deprivation and, you know, this is, this is right. for you. Yeah. Right. So. I think people, people always get a chuckle when I say like, I'm not a vegan. I don't drink wheatgrass all day long. I don't have like <laughs> everything organic, this, that, or the other. And yes, I do eat a hamburger every once in a while. Yeah, exactly, so exactly. let's make it normal. Yes. So this is the first actual um, episode. I'm going to be doing a whole series with Mary Ellen um, over the span of the next couple months. And I'm calling it the truth about series. And this first episode is uh, the truth about sugar. And then coming up, we're going to talk about the truth about fat. We're going to talk about wheat. We're going to talk about dairy and really just kind of dive into um, these topics and just kind of uncover like what's myth, what's fact, um, because a lot of these um, topics uh, in the Truth About series can be kind of confusing because you get a lot of uh, information from different sources, um, you know, out there on the web and, and from media. So today's episode, the first in the series, is all about sugar. Um, so I think let's start by separating fact from fiction um, when it comes to sugar. And let's start with just the question of, is it all bad? So I think uh, that's a very loaded question. So I think the answer is yes and no. Exactly. Um, it's a really hard question to answer because I think anything can become a bad food if you eat too much of it. Mm -hmm. uh, saying added sugar is bad for you is kind of a no-brainer. Uh, but even natural sugar in excess can be a bad thing. Um, we still need to eat a proper balance of all the players in our nutrition field being carbohydrate, protein, and fat. Um, and that's really what makes our bodies be the best that we can be. Exactly, exactly. And you mentioned anything in excess uh, can eventually, you know, turn bad. And I think moderation is the key. So when we talk about sugar, are some forms of sugar better than others or is sugar sugar? Um, yeah, I think it's definitely safe to say that, you know, some sugars are better than others if you're looking at, you know, which if you're given two options, which one do you choose mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so sugar in general, every form of it is what we call a simple carb. And basically that means that it's very easy for our bodies to digest, um, which basically means it's going to raise your blood sugar levels really quickly, which is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. That's when you get mood swings, um, energy slumps, like you start to see this yo-yo effect of your energy levels throughout the day. Uh, the other forms of carbohydrate that aren't sugar are when what we call um, complex carbs. Um, so these are the carbs found in vegetables and whole grains and to some degree in fruit along with the sugars. Uh, and so we know that our bodies um, process these different types of carbohydrate diff differently, but also the different types of sugars within that group are going to raise blood sugar levels at a different rate. And so that's where we say like some are a little bit better than others. Mm -hmm. uh, some good examples would be um, like coconut sugar or date sugar are going to raise blood sugars a little bit slower uh, than you would like table sugar uh -huh. or something like that. And so they're still going to raise it quickly, though. They're not I'm not trying sitting here saying they're better than going and eating a vegetable or yes, something like yes. that. Uh, but there's definitely some better options than others. What are your thoughts about um, using, I know a lot of recipes, instead of using maybe white refined sugar, they might use honey or molasses or even like pure maple syrup. Like what are your thoughts about those as sweeteners or sugars? 
Yeah, I think those are, anytime you have a natural option, in my mind, it's going to be better for the most part than a man-made option, which is what table sugar is essentially. Uh And to some degree, the ability for the sugar to raise our blood sugar, um, we also, you might have heard the term glycemic index. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of the same thing. It's referring to how quickly a food can raise your blood sugar. Um, It's going to be a little bit slower for what you mentioned, like honey and maple syrup or agave or something Mm -hmm. like that. Not a lot slower. It's still sugar, Mm -hmm. but a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. And while we're talking about sugar alternatives, I'm glad that you said natural, because I think um, we should talk about those artificial sugar alternatives, um, like Splenda and uh, products that have like aspartame, like NutraSweet and Sweet and Low and Equal. And I know like there have been, you know, there are studies that have shown that they have negative health effects. And then you'll see studies that say, no, it actually doesn't. But what are your thoughts about those um, sugar alternatives? Um, I actually have quite a few thoughts. Um, <laughs> they're, they, they definitely, I think, serve a place when you look at certain very specific populations, mainly a diabetic population. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem came when we had a period in our food culture history where low calorie meant healthy. And then you started to see these sugar alternatives pop up all over the place. Mm-hmm. And people assumed because it was reducing the amount of calories that it meant it was healthy. And so you saw them being used by the mass public and the general population. And I, I think that's where we hit a problem uh, because I don't think everyone should be using them. I think you need to have a specific reason to use it. And most of us do not. Mm-hmm. I would much rather someone sweeten their coffee with a teaspoon of coconut sugar than a Splenda yes, or something yes. like that. They've been linked to migraines. They've been linked to cancer. Uh, they've been linked to all sorts of other health conditions. Nothing definitive, nothing cause and effect, but we definitely see associations between high intakes of these and some more common health conditions. Yeah, yeah. I know for me, anytime that I would drink um, a diet soda, I mean, I, I've never been a diet soda drinker, but anytime that I would um, I would get horrible, horrible pains in my stomach, just like terrible. Um, and so I just avoided those products because they just don't seem to work well with me. But, but yeah, so, so, okay. So we've, t- we've kind of talked about, you know, are there some forms better than others? Um, and while there are, um, moderation and, you know, limiting the amount of sugar, you know, is key, but let's talk about when we do, you know, m- some people might be thinking, well, why, like, what's the big deal about sugar? So let's talk about what happens what happens to our body when we ingest uh, sugar and then when we ingest sugar at an excess um, amount? Right. So basically when you eat sugar, it gets absorbed. Um, it's the easiest thing essentially for our bodies to absorb and process, which is why it will raise your blood sugar so quickly. Um, it gets shot into the bloodstream um, and it will raise your blood sugar and subsequently your insulin levels because your pancreas responds with insulin when it senses sugar's been added to the bloodstream. Uh, And where the other parts of our diet come into play, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, is um, fat and protein can kind of help balance that out to some degree. Mm -hmm. But if you've got too much sugar, there's only so much fiber and fat and protein can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that happens when we eat too much sugar is a very heightened state of inflammation um, or basically systemic inflammation in your body. Um, It's basically just the body fighting against these constant levels of elevated blood sugars, even in non-diabetic people. I think a lot mm-hmm. of times people think high blood sugar and they think just diabetics. Well, you cannot be diabetic and your blood sugar will shoot up and your 
pancreas kicks in with some insulin and brings it back down. But that constant up and down is what can cause some mm-hmm. inflammation as well. Yeah. So let's talk about systemic inflammation because I think we hear a, this a lot, um, but I'm not sure everyone truly understands like what inflammation means. Um, and like, I mean, you, you kind of touched upon it, um, but you mentioned a heightened state of inflammation. Um, so to go back a step, we know that inflammation is a normal response by our bodies in the healing process. Right. Like we cut our finger, you know, inflammation is natural in the healing process. However, we can have internal inflammation and we know that certain foods encourage inflammatory activity at a more heightened uh, regular state. And that's what's actually causing damage to our bodies and has been linked to many chronic diseases. Um, and we also know that sugar's effect on glucose and insulin levels um, has a direct correlation to that chronic inflammation. So like you said, you know, we might not have reached that type two diabetic state or, or, you know, or, but we might have that constant inflammation going on in our body because of the amount of sugar that we we have with that we're eating on a day-to-day basis. Right. So it basically think about, you gave a great example when you cut your finger or maybe you scrape your hand or something, Mm -hmm. we see inflammation right there. We can see it happening right then and there. It's our body's way of healing. But what happens is if it were to stay inflamed, um, like if you had an inflamed cut, it would eventually get infected because it wasn't healing properly. So think of the same thing happening on the inside of your body, Mm -hmm. your gut, your organs, things like that, staying in that constant state of agitation or inflammation. Um, Some of the ramifications of that are reduced efficiency in our immune systems. You might get sick more often and more frequently, um, increased sensitivity to pain. So a lot of times if clients tell me that they just feel like they're always in pain or their body aches and they can't really figure out why they're not sick, I'm like, well, how much sugar are we eating? Mm -hmm. Because we definitely want to look at what's going on there. It's definitely linked to migraines and severe headaches, uh, especially recurring ones. GI issues we kind of already uh, talked about, but you know, both ends of the spectrum constipation all the way to Mm -hmm. diarrhea can have sugar can have an effect on that as well Um, and then also one that I think more and more people are realizing but maybe not a lot of people do is skin issues is very tied to what you're eating and so eczema um, breakouts on your face uh, things like that um, can be very much tied not in the old way that we think of like the teenager who eats too much sugar is getting zits on their face yeah but more because of this inflammation Mm -hmm. um, just poor skin from what we're seeing um, can be tied to sugar. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I know that when I reduced my sugar intake, um, especially by reducing like the refined carbs, um, I was having like joint pain in my knees and in my Mm -hmm. hips. It was so weird. And, you know, I had symptoms that that mirrored like IBS symptoms and other, you know, weird um, chronic pain in other areas of my body. And when I reduced those, like they fully, like they disappeared. So I fully believe that that was tied to um, me creating this state of chronic inflammation by eating all of those, you know, having a high intake of sugar and refined carbs um, in, in my system. Yeah. One example you touched on, I'd like to paint kind of a little illustration for the listeners is if you, so if we're eating a lot of sugar, you mentioned joint pain, um, that can cause these flare ups and nerve pain. Um, I talked about earlier that the 
kind of three components of our diet, carbohydrate, protein, and fat. If you've got too much sugar, odds are it's decreasing the amount of protein or fat you're eating. You can only have a certain mm-hmm. percentages only add up to 100%. So if we're increasing sugar, something's going to get decreased. And in the history that we've had, usually that was fat. And so fat is kind of that thing that helps us, you know, make our bodies comfortable. It pads things. It um, And not necessarily in a gaining weight way, but just in keeping cushioning in your knee joints and everything else throughout your body. So if you're eating too much sugar, odds are that the lack of fat can also be contributing to that joint pain. And when we go back to evening those things out, uh, we can see benefits to that and reduction of pain. Yep. Yeah. And another, um, I've been really intrigued by um, the of the articles that I've read recently about the sugar connection and the brain and the brain function. Mm-hmm. Um I know that um, studies have shown a link to sugar intake in conditions such as like depression, anxiety, even Alzheimer's. Um, and um, I know like like you just talked about, like brain functions um, such as thinking and memory and learning, they're closely linked to the glucose levels and how efficiently the brain uses this as a fuel source. And we know that the brain needs sugar to perform. However, too much sugar can lead to, you know, memory and cognitive de- deficiencies. And I read an article last week um, out of Harvard that actually linked type 2 diabetes diabetes to accelerated brain aging, which then accelerates, you know, the progression of functional decline. So again, I think that's why it's so important to be very cognizant of your sugar intake. And we don't need to wait until, you know, we get that diabetes, that type two diabetes diagnosis, or we're told by a doctor to watch our sugar levels. Levels. I think, I think we need to be aware. And that's kind of the kind of the purpose behind, you know, like this, me doing this podcast is to be proactive now so that down the road, you don't run into some of these chronic debilitating conditions. So what, what do you, what are you um what are your thoughts on sugar and the brain connection um a lot actually i definitely agree with what you're saying and talking about the article you read um a couple things the when we go back to the uh sugar intake and its effect on depression and anxiety so there's all this research out right now that's being published on the gut brain mm-hmm. connection and basically the idea that the health of your gi tract is going to dictate your mental health and the reason being that we know that when food makes its way into our uh large intestine small intestine um it has byproducts that then bef- before we didn't know, actually dictate what neurotransmitters or hormones are produced in our brain. So there's a a direct tie between what we're eating and what's going on in our brain, Mm -hmm. um, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, So I think that's why we're seeing, you know, all of this excess sugar uh, with depression and anxiety. And even I think it also has a situational impact of if you're feeling all these negative effects of pain and uh, stomach issues and things like that, yeah, you're going to maybe have some depression or anxiety Uh that comes along with that. Um, The second thing, this is more of a personal anecdote than um, professional, but I mentioned I was a type one diabetic. uh, And the so every year I have to go to uh, the eye doctor just to have my eyes checked. It's kind of a standard of care for people with type 1 diabetes. And me coming up on having had diabetes for over 25 years now, I every time I go to the doctor, the doctor says, well, your eyes are healthy, but they look like maybe the eyes of a 45 or 50-year-old. Um, and that's because I've had this lifetime uh, of diabetes mm-hmm. that um, somebody my exact same age and lifestyle has not had. And so this Harvard article that points out type 2 diabetes, um, even though I have type 1, mm-hmm. the effects down the road can be the same. Uh, type 2 diabetes being um, 
tied to accelerated brain aging, I think it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. If just these elevated blood sugars throughout a lifetime are going to cause a stress on the body that it just can't keep up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just shows, I, I mean, I, I just can't talk enough about the power of our, you know, how food, like our food choices directly connect to our health. You know, it's so important. Um, and so let's talk about how we know if we're addicted to sugar, <laughs> because like for me personally, um, I know that when my, like, I like to call my, my sugar addiction, the, the sugar monster. So <laughs> like, I, and it's, it's, it's really true how addictive it is. And if I find myself eating, um, higher amounts of sugar in my day to day, and it's, even if it's like you said, even if it's recipes that have honey or maple syrup, like that's still sugar. And if I'm eating too much, um, I can, I feel those, like, I feel like I crave sweets more often. Um, and like for me personally, if I crave something sweet immediately after I get done eating, like as soon as I'm eating a regular meal, I'm like, okay, I need something sweet. Like I know that my sugar addiction is in full effect. Um, but I also, you know, like, I feel like for me personally, when I am eating higher amounts of sugar, I will wake up feeling just like absolutely starving. Um, and, but when I'm eating more balanced and more, you know, like a, like a level of carb and fat in vegetables. I don't do that. I have less energy. You know, you think eating more sugar, you'd have more energy, but I have less energy. And again, I can start to feel some of those pains come back. So, you know, and, and I mean, you may have the same experience, but what are, what do you, maybe, what, what are some of the symptoms that you may be seeing some of your clients that you work with um, that you, you know, maybe are kind of a sign that they're eating a lot of sugar? Uh, some of the exact same things you just said, the inability, uh, to feel full, they're never, mm -hmm. um, satisfied with the food they're eating. Um, and usually it goes back to, um, an excess of sugar, but really that, that excess of sugar taking up a larger percentage of the overall diet, because that means that fat and protein have gotten bumped down a little bit more mm -hmm. than they should. Um, cause fat and protein are really our things that stick around the longest in our stomach, uh, carbohydrate and specifically sugar, um, gets, processed within usually about 30 minutes to an hour tops. And so that's why if you eat, I don't know, your favorite granola bar mm -hmm. or um, a really high sugar yogurt or something like that, like it's going to be even in and out of your stomach um, within a relatively very fast period of time. And so you're not going to be satisfied. Um, same thing like if you just have, I don't know, an apple as a snack Odds are it's not going to get you to your next meal unless your next meal is like just 45 minutes away uh -huh. or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. So I think that inability to feel full, um, definitely less energy because you don't have any long, as much long-acting energy. And by long-acting energy, I mean protein and fat. Um, the increased pain, the constantly craving something sweet. Yes. Um, but I think also the swing back and forth between sweet cravings and yes. salty cravings. Yes, Uh because excess sugar can also cause you um, to crave salty things. Mm -hmm. And so I think it just we just really have to get in. Um, I can't stress enough to clients and to everybody listening that it really is about balance. There is uh -huh. no one perfect way to eat. You just have to figure out what works for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can remember years ago, I mean, my my eating was, I mean, it was it was the, the standard American diet for, for, for a long time. 
And I can remember thinking like, well, this is just like how, like, this is just normal. This is just like my, like, you know, body type. Like I crave both sweets and salts. And in a matter of literally like take a bite of something sweet. Okay. Now I want something salty. Now I want something sweet and just constantly going back and forth. And then I realized like, that's not normal. That's not a body type. That is, that is the, that is me and my poor nutrition. So that those are all like good, like, to, if if you're wondering like well I'm not addicted to sugar like ask yourself like do you do you do you have those cravings or do you have that lack of energy or do, do you always feel hungry um um you know do, I would ask yourself those things and then you know maybe maybe make take some time to actually reduce sugar out of your diet and see if that that um you know changes some of those feelings that you're that you're experiencing definitely uh, one other thing I forgot to add is. If you feel like, so when you start to crave something sugary, you think for some people this might be many times per day or some people might just be once a day, but look at your ability to resist that craving. Mm -hmm. If it's, because there's, I mean, I'm a dietitian. I talk to people about healthy eating all day long, but sure, I'd love to have a candy bar in the (laughs) afternoon, but I have the physical and mental ability to say, no, I don't really need that. Um, When we look at addiction to sugar, um, really look at your physical and mental ability to resist those cravings. If it's legitimately hard and you're thinking about it nonstop, uh, you might have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's, we got to look at what's going on upstairs as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, let's talk some strategies. So, um, we're going to talk, let's talk through some strategies that can help our listeners maybe take control of what I like to call the sugar monster, um, and control their sugar intake. And, um, a recent fact that I recently read, um, showed a statistic that uh, regarding the average American sugar intake. And it said during the past 25 years, the average person's intake of sugar other than natural sweeteners ballooned from 123 to as many as 160 pounds a year. I mean, that's a lot of sugar. And then that breaks down to more than 20 teaspoons of sugar per person per day. And that the average, for the past decade, the average American's sugar consumption has edged upward at an average rate of nearly 2% a year. I mean, that's a lot of sugar that we're, like, you know, intaking. And a lot of it is... So, okay, so we'll get to that. I was going to talk about labels, but we'll get to that. So let's first talk about the first strategy is how do we limit our sugar intake in a sugar-ridden society? Yes. So I think you need to know what is in your foods. Um, Common thing that I teach people almost every day is the front of the package belongs to the company. They can put, with some restrictions, whatever they want on there. They can tell you it's cholesterol-free or gluten-free or whatever Mm -hmm. they want to put. I always laugh. I go back to, this was years ago. I think I was still in grad school. I was roaming through Target and saw a box for icing-covered animal cookies, and it said, (laughs) good source of calcium. And I about died. I was like, there is my job security for life because (laughs) it to the poor person who doesn't know any better, Uh they were trying to get them to pick up on that. And I think, too... I think we can all agree that in general, Americans have become a little bit more in tune with what is healthy. There is definitely a much larger interest in healthy eating than there was 10 years ago, which is great, but it doesn't really match up with what you're saying, these statistics of people eating more sugar. Um, So I think what has happened is brands have gotten smart. Mm-hmm. They know that people are looking for healthier products, but they know that people still want things to taste good. So they figured out a way to kind of hide that sugar in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, we can talk about that in a minute. But basically knowing what's in your foods, understand 
what added sweeteners are, what preservatives are, what's real food, um, making as much of your food at home as you can and avoiding those packaged foods. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I've kind of touched on this all the way through, and we'll dive into it a lot more in the Truth About Fat episode, yes. but basically knowing that um, just because um, something is low-calorie or low-fat does not mean it's healthy. And the classic example of this is whole milk versus skim milk. Mm -hmm. Uh, For the longest time, we thought that skim milk was the way to go because they'd taken all that bad saturated fat out of it and it was just going to save us. Well, what happened is what I've been saying, uh, that, that when they pulled that fat out, yes, the calories went down, but the percentage of those calories that was taken up by carbohydrate and sugar, um, skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're pretty much left with your milk sugar and your protein. And that's basically affected our blood sugar levels. And it's kind of a chain reaction down from there with the inflammation, um, all because of the lack of fat. And so I think looking at also, you can't really have a conversation about sugar without having a conversation about fat. Yes, yes, I would agree. And that's a great example of a common myth surrounding, you know, like you said, you know, in society historically, that whole low fat fad that, you know, in the past decade. And during this trend, we had people eating very low fat diets and very high sugar diets um, because they were instead, you know, those low fat products were typically high in sugar and, you know, and simple carbs. And the result is what we're seeing today with all these chronic diseases tied to inflammation and digestive disorders and heart disease and, and diabetes and obesity, just to name a few. And you... When you talk about labels, and I think labels is huge, um, and you're right, brands have gotten smart. Um, uh, two examples I'll give is candy. Like, they will say, like, like a package of candy will say, you know, no fat or low fat. Well, obviously, but it's <laughs> sugar, you know. Or yeah. um, another, uh, I had a coworker that was offering some candy in a meeting, and it, it was said something like organic, low fat pomegranate candy and I'm like but it's still like it's candy it's sugar yes you know but people like I I think it's so hard to change that mentality because for so many years we were like fat's bad fat's bad you got to eat low fat Um, and so we're eating these like 100 calorie packs of crackers that are nothing but you know refined carbs uh, you know sugars yeah my dietitian friends and I joke that we rue the day that whoever came up with hundred calorie packs because oh. it was it was like every session we had with a client was no you don't need to be snacking on those no it does not mean it's healthy just because it has yes. hundred calories yes yes so. but you know I mean yeah. without like you know unless you're talking to a dietitian or nutrition or maybe you know doing and like you said a, there's a lot more information coming out now yes. um, and people are really like learning about nutrition. But, you know, when, you, when you're getting most of your nutritional information from the media, you right. know, then that's when you're thinking, oh, these 100-calorie snack packs is what I need. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk about labels and hidden sugar. So we know that anything that ends in O-S-E, O-S, like fructose, lactose, glucose, dextrose, those are all um, sh- forms of sugar. So, so be, But not all of those are bad. But then there are some really... Um, to me, there are two like really like ones you want to pay attention to, and that's high fructose corn syrup, and then just corn syrup. So, what do you? What's your take on high fructose corn syrup? Um, I think it's an added sweetener that's uh, man-made and will skyrocket your blood sugars. Um, they've done studies tied to inflammation. Um, you'll see people come out and say, "Well, no, nothing's ever been linked or proven." Um, yeah, there's nothing that's come out definitively and said high fructose corn syrup causes this. But we know that diets 
high in sugar, Mm -hmm. um, can cause all these poor health effects. And we know that high fructose corn syrup is the probably for the longest time, one of the main forms of sugar, uh, that was in our diet. Um, it, it is basically what it sounds like concentrated, uh, corn syrup essentially because it's it's got a higher level of fructose which is Mm -hmm. that natural sugar that we're talking about from fruit so it's a great example of something natural taken to excess Mm -hmm. and now it's become bad for us and if you look Um, at labels like you can see like high fructose corn syrup is literally about the second or third ingredient in so much stuff from ketchup to salad dressings to um i don't know what was it there day i was looking at like you wouldn't even have thought that it would be in there but it was in there so really look at right labels. and i think we're going along the same lines even certain health food companies some companies that i really like are picking up on that and now you'll see brown rice syrup uh-huh. um, in place of it because they're they'll say on the front of the package no high fructose corn syrup um, but then you go look at the ingredient list and brown rice syrup is the second ingredient well while it might be a somewhat better form of a sweetener it's still sugar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and other things to look out for, uh, one of my favorite ones, uh, simply because I can remember a vivid memory of my husband coming to me and said, but it doesn't have sugar, it has turbinado. <laughs> and, but no, I said, sorry, honey, that, that's pretty much the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, it's just a different type of sugar. Uh-huh. Um, and then where you really want to be careful, too, is a lot of food companies are not going to put Splenda or Sweet and Low or Equal in the ingredient list. It's going to be sucralose mm-hmm. or Asulfame potassium or um, kind of these names that you probably aren't used to reading for those. You want to be careful about those as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then kind of my favorite thing to always remind people is that organic sugar is still sugar. Yes. Yes. An organic cookie is still a cookie. Yes. Um, I was walking through Costco the other day and saw... Uh, I don't even remember what brand it was, but these or- organic toaster pastries is what it said. And it was essentially a glorified Pop-Tart. Um, <laughs> but it was being marketed to parents and saying like, hey, give this to your kid for breakfast. And uh-huh. it just kind of made me cringe. So keep that in mind. And, when I, you're and I would agree shopping. with that. And, and some of the recipes that I've included on my own blog, you know, um, there for a while I was doing a lot of desserts. And I was like, you know what? I even did a blog post where I was like, I'm going to reduce my desserts back because I'm kind of like, even though these desserts might have organic sugars or honey or whatever they're still sugar and i and i and i've talked about that before is that like i was listening to um it was a speech by uh, i can't remember his name as a doctor and he was like you know an organic cookie is still an organic cookie like a sugar is still sugar um and so and i talk about that so now when i do um a blog post that might be a dessert that might have those you know um organic or better for you sugars i, I still like to throw a sentence in there just to be like hey like sugar is still sugar so you know you right. know like pay attention like i look like when i'm buying like pasta like if i go to buy like a jar of like pasta sauce or something like I, the first thing i will look at is the ingredients and the amount of sugar in it um because you'd be surprised at the amount of sugar that's in you know like a pasta sauce um yeah so so one of my things i like to remind people kind of along those same lines is like i am very realistic if i want a cookie i am going to eat a real (laughs) gooey warm sugary buttery chocolate chip cookie because i don't eat them all that often Uh but i'm going to eat the real thing so where i look for sugar and kind of looking at hidden sugars is what is something like that, like you're saying, pasta sauce that pr- shouldn't have sugar in it? Like, yeah. why are they putting that in there? Because yeah. they want it to taste better and they want you to buy it again. So pasta sauce, ketchup, condiments or salad dressings, um, all sorts of things that um, just be cognizant. And if you're like thinking, well, why is sugar in this? It probably shouldn't be in there. Uh-huh. 
Exactly. Exactly. So, so how do we, so going back to strategies, how do we, so we've talked about, um, you know, looking at our labels, um, and then some strategies for like how we, you know, limit our sugar intake, but how do we break the sugar cycle? So I think that's an excellent question. And when I work with clients on this, um, I think it depends on the personality type. And this is what I help people assess. And you can do this for yourself easily. But there's kind of two ways I do it with people. Uh, basically, um, complete abstinence. So like a sugar fast or something you'll see people going. Uh-huh. Or a gradual takedown. Some people, depending on how you are with food, one way is going to work a lot better than the other. If somebody's like very all or nothing, and I know that they have the willpower to completely resist, uh, then I'm going to put them on like a complete like sugar detox kind of thing for a couple weeks. Um, usually about three weeks is enough. Sometimes most of the time, even like two weeks is enough to kind of get rid of those cravings and stuff. And when I say get rid of cravings, like it's still perfectly normal to see some delicious dessert and want to eat it. Uh-huh. That's not a craving. A craving is when you're like middle of the day for no reason, like all of a sudden feel like you have a physical need for this. Yeah sugary food. Um, and then the gradual kind of backing off is for those people who don't really handle change very well, I guess Uh is the best way to put it. Like doing a complete 180, they're just not going to deal with it very well. Um, I always tell my clients, like I myself am kind of an all or nothing person. I like rules. Um, and so I, (laughs) I love ice cream. I have no problem admitting that I do not buy ice cream (laughs) because I will, I, I will eat the whole carton in probably less than two days. Uh-huh. Um, so we'll just keep it out of our house. Um, so you kind of have to look at what your personality is and what you think will work for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know when I was first, like, you know, just trying to change my eating, eating habits and and really kind of like working on all this in my relationship with food, like I gradually reduced from like I switched to like I felt like when I – because I felt like I still needed that sugar because I hadn't quite grasped the, the whole mindset. So I went to – I started out with, just sh- with fruit. And so I would eat, you know, fruit as my dessert after a meal. Um, And then, like, it got to the point where I just eventually didn't need anything at all. Um, And now I'm to the place where, like, you know, if I eat the desserts and I feel like I'm eating too much and I can feel that sugar monster rearing its head, I can just completely cut it out. It's not a big deal. But when I was first, like, struggling and, you know, breaking that years and years, like, I went to, you know, I would eat, like, you know, fresh raspberries or blackberries because they were, you know, kind of sweet. And I might even put a couple drops of you know, stevia on it. Um, and then I would eat the fruit without the stevia. Like I slowly, gradually got to right. the point um, where I, you know, was okay with not craving that sugar. And, you, and and you'll be surprised that you won't, like once you get control of it and once you reduce it, you won't have those cravings. And, and when you go back and if you start eating very sugary things, like you're going to, I feel like you feel the effects a lot sooner. Like, oh, definitely. Like I haven't, drink um soda or pop or how you know however you call it whenever region you live in um in oh gosh oh probably years oh you know and if I take a drink now of like say my one of my kids gets one uh, gets a soda and I take a drink oh it's terrible like it's so uh-huh. sweet it's like I feel like I'm drinking straight syrup um and so if you and you know like or if I binge and I you know go to a a holiday party and eat a bunch of sweets or whatever like I'm gonna feel that the next day like it, it's amazing how quickly you feel the effects but yes so here's the key question that I'm always asked is what is an okay amount of daily sugar intake <laughs> so this goes back to is there good sugar and bad sugar yes. uh kind of the same kind of answer is that there's no real okay amount of sugar other than as little as possible um 
one thing I like I like to say is that we would all be just fine if we didn't eat fruit but replaced all that fruit with vegetables. Because uh-huh. um, the reason we harp on fruits and vegetables is fiber, vitamins, and minerals, essentially. Um, and so most of us, myself included, eat fruits so we don't have to eat as many vegetables. Yep, yep, <laughs> um, yep. Basically. Um, so some sources say that, you know, 10 grams or of added sugar or less is acceptable. Um, but unfortunately the way our food is labeled, there's no real way to know what is added and what isn't to some degree. Sometimes you can figure it out. Um, and if you have, there's brands that are better about disclosing about that, that's one thing. Um, but I think the general rule of thumb is like you're saying is, um, as little as possible. And this is where it comes in. Like I'm not a therapist by any means, but (laughs) I always want people to be honest with themselves. Like if you're second guessing yourself or if you're paranoid about something or if you're um, in doubt about it, odds are you're not really owning up to mm-hmm. what you're doing. And mm-hmm. so my general piece of advice to people is just ask yourself, are you eating the way you're supposed to be eating? Are you cutting corners? Are you exercising as much as you're supposed to be exercising? Do you feel good? Or are you brushing off a headache? Like it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, answer those questions honestly. And if you're not happy with the answers, then let's make some adjustments to what you're eating. And sugar definitely plays a role in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is possible. I know that seems like a very like daunting feat. And some people feel like, you know, what, like, I just can't stop eating it. But it is possible. Um, yes. Through some of these strategies. And, and like you said, like decide which works, which approach works better for you, whether it's complete abstinence, or if it's like, slowly cutting back like I did. I mean, just, but either way, like, don't overthink it and just, you know, try it. And then if you, you know, you slip up, then just, you know, get back on and and try it again. But I guarantee you, you will feel a lot better and your health long term will be greatly improved um, if you do reduce your sugar intake. So what is your, before we get off here, what's your biggest piece of advice Mm -hmm. to someone who um, just loves sugar and they're like, you know what? I'm fine. Uh, my health is good. Like I don't need, you know, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling just fine with all the sugar that I'm eating. Um, or what, what, or we could reverse that. And what's your biggest piece of advice for someone who's like, man, I really need to break, you know, like this sugar cycle and my, and, and get control of my sugar monster, but I just don't know how to do it. Yeah. So the first person who thinks, oh, I eat sugar, but I don't feel bad. Nothing's going on. Like, I would just tell you that I think I read a statistic recently that the average person when they're diagnosed with type two diabetes, if they haven't been getting um, their regular checkups has probably had it for somewhere five to 10 years, some level of insulin resistance. So it, it, your body has an amazing ability to make you feel like you're fine. Mm -hmm. It will, it will keep up, um, doing what it needs to do for the longest time until it gives out. Uh, and then you're in some serious trouble. Uh, so I would say even if you think that you're fine and that you don't have any health effects, odds are your body is struggling because you're consuming a lot of something you're not supposed to be consuming a lot of. Um, The reverse of that, the person who uh, really wants to make a change and wants to do that, um, general first thing is, are you drinking sugar? You know, are you drinking things other than water? unsweetened tea. And this includes like even natural juices, not just the, you know, we talk about fruit juice having all this added sugar. Even the natural juices have a ton of sugar Mm because you've pulled out all that fiber and all that water from the fruit. And now you've just got the juice. 
Um, so I always say don't drink your sugar. Um, the one exception might be like a smoothie or something like that that mm-hmm. you're using all natural ingredients for because you're actually still eating the whole fruit. Um, and then after you can, you know, honestly say you're not drinking your sugar, then you go to, well, what are you adding to your food that could potentially be sugar? What packaged foods could you swap out for maybe a homemade version? Um, different things like even peanut butter mm-hmm. or something has just the run of the mill basic peanut butter has a ton of sugar in it. Switch to um, uh, some of my favorite forms of peanut butter, either the Costco brand or Crazy Richard's peanut butter that are just peanuts. So look for brands like that or go to the pump in the natural food section at the grocery store and do your own peanut butter from the peanuts. So small changes. Um, a small step is still a step. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly better than going a step in the other direction. So. Yes. And, you know, I know we're wrapping up here, but I, I, I have to touch upon, because we haven't talked about this, is when you said don't drink your sugar. And this is the number one kickback that I get from my kids, from my fa- friends, from my family. And they'll, they'll say, well, I don't like the taste of water. Water's boring. I need something with flavor. Um, so what do you, when you hear that, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess you probably hear that, um, mm-hmm. what is your advice to those people that just feel like they have to have some sort of flavor um, in their drinks and they just don't want to drink just water? Uh, yeah, definitely. So you can get, you can put it in a cup or you can buy like the specialty water bottle that'll hand it is put frozen fruit in your water. So mm-hmm. like I like to do like frozen blueberries or frozen like frozen grapes that I've chopped so that the inside is open and it'll flavor the water a little bit. Uh, you can also do like um, flavored sparkling water like uh, LaCroix yeah. or uh-huh. a lot of grocery stores have their own version um, that there's no added sweeteners or preservatives or sodium or anything like that. Uh, the other thing for those people who are really into juice or soda pop or anything like that is watering it down gradually but surely if they're not the kind of cold turkey kind of person. Um, usually a lot of times with my diabetic clients, they'll, you know, be having whatever they eat for breakfast, but then with a side of orange juice or something. And so I say, we're going to start off with, you're going to, from here on out for the next couple of weeks, you're going to have a third of the glass is water and two thirds is juice. Mm-hmm. And then we gradually work our way down till basically it's just orange flavored water. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gradual reduction, I know it sounds silly, but it really does work. Because um, you get your taste buds used to that and you kind of slowly but surely get rid of that sugar craving. Um, I've luckily always been a water drinker. Like I can't drink. I've never been a juice drinker. Um, when I'm super thirsty, like I don't know how people like my kids, they'll be like super thirsty and like bust open a, a Dr. Pepper. And I'm like, how, how does that even like quench your (laughs) thirst? Um, and yes, I am trying to break their, their, uh, their soda habit. And it's quite challenging when they hit the teenage years. Um, yes. So luckily, I've always been a water drinker, but I that that is the number one thing I hear is like, oh, I can't just drink water; it's boring, it's gross, um, and I, you know, so and I and I thought about the adding fruit to your water to to give it flavors, um, and I do like Lacroix, um, but but I do think uh, that is also a challenge that can you can overcome, like you can like you said you can train your oh yes yeah, like definitely. it's not. I will add one thing that will not help is going to like your crystal lights, your, um, I can't think of another brand off the top of my head, but there's a million of them of the alternative sweetener loaded Uh flavored drinks, because all that's going to make your body do is crave the real thing. Um, so you definitely want to find something that has 
no sugar, but also no fake sugar in it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, um, or in like Powerades and Gatorades and, yes. and and all of those. Like those are just full of sugars. <laughs> yes. And there's a, I always tell people, so technically Gatorade and uh, Propel and all those things, those are meant for athletes. So if you're drinking it and you're not doing some sort of athletic function, think twice about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they were designed for. You have to earn your right to drink that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. I'm super excited about this truth about series, um, just because I think these are these are some those, these are some important topics that people kind of struggle with um, breaking down, not just eating healthy, but breaking it down by you know specific food food groups or food elements like sugar. Um, and I think understanding the sugar connection to our overall health is so important because we hear about, you know, uh, well, you shouldn't be eating so much sugar, but then people are like, well, I'm feeling fine. I, I don't have diabetes. So my I go to the doctor, my numbers are fine. So I'm fine. But really, there's this hidden, like we talked about, there's hidden inflammation going on inside. Um, but before we go, why don't you tell the listeners uh, where they can find you, um, any programs that you have coming up, and we'll also include links to all of that in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. So I, like I said, I'm based in the Houston area, but I take in-person and electronic clients, um, milkandhoneynutrition.com. Um, you can also connect with me on Instagram. It's milk, the letter N, honey nutrition, and then also on Facebook, just milk and honey nutrition. Um, I answer any form of messages or emails on any of those platforms, um, as well as I'm happy to have phone consults and all sorts of things. Uh, you'll also find on my website, I've got a host of digital resources from meal plans to ebooks and all that that I want uh, for you all to use and help you along the way in your meal planning journey. Awesome. Awesome. And we will include, include links to all of that in the show notes. So thank you again. Um, I enjoyed talking to you and we will talk again next month when we talk about the truth about fat. So I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Wanderlust and Wellness podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast to enjoy all of our upcoming episodes. And while you're there, go ahead and drop us a review. Be sure to follow Wanderlust and Wellness at wanderlustandwellness.org or join our mailing list to get instant access to all of our upcoming programs and resources at www.wanderlustandwellness.org forward slash email. Or you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram at Wanderlust and Wellness. Please note that I am not a registered dietitian or a medical professional. The views I express are mine alone based on my own experiences and should not be taken as medical advice. Please speak with a medical professional before making any changes to your current routine.